everybody. Welcome to episode 142 of Games My Mom Found. I am Mike Helperson. Who is scanning stuff with me tonight? It's Greg Stewart. Back again. <laughs> Welcome back, Greg. It's your fourth time being here. Is it fourth? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been a lot of times. <laughs> and where are you, where might people know you from? People might know me from, well, a long time ago. People might know me from uh, the pages of Electronic Gaming Monthly, about 20 years ago now. But uh, nowadays, you can hear me every week on the Player One podcast. And uh, you can also hear me on my uh, YouTube series called Generation 16, where I go through the history of uh, the Sega Genesis and all of its all of its games. That's a lot of games. Mm-hmm. Mostly good. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Some are good. I'm not. Some a, of them are great. I'm a SNES kid, but I I had a Genesis. Yeah, there, there's you know every system has its terrible games, but we mm-hmm. you know we we enjoy the good ones and. Doing a series like that is nice because you get to discover things that you might not have played uh, back when when everything was new. So, have you ever played Crusader of Senti? I have played Crusader of Senti. That's a great game. Okay, I have been on the fence for that game for years. <laughs> it, it looks very much like Link to the Past. They they really aped the look of of Link to the Past on that, but it doesn't play exactly like it. It's it's a pretty interesting, pretty interesting setup. Okay. Yeah, it's on my list. And before we go too far, I do want to mention that we have a Patreon now. For as little as a dollar, you can vote in our Patreon poll each month we do one. Right now is your last chance to vote in the, the horror monthly poll that we have going on. Decide what horror movie I'm going to have to suffer through for next month, for Spooktober. It's either Nightmare on Elm Street, Poltergeist, The Witch, or Reanimator, which is winning, because people apparently want me to suffer. So for as little as a dollar, you can go vote in our Patreon poll. You'll see a link in the show notes. And Greg is with join me today to talk about a game that a lot of people liked and hated, I think, <laughs> at times, or angry before it came out. Uh, Metroid Prime for GameCube from 2002. God, yeah. 20 years ago. <laughs> a year that I usually have a lot of disdain for on this on this show. <laughs> I forgot about it, but I'm like, oh yeah, 2002. Uh, this game has 2002 written all over it, too, though. With, like, certain things. I mean, just kind of from that era. <laughs> Greg, you had played other Metroid games before. This wasn't your first one, I'm assuming. No, I had played all of them before. Um, I remember playing through um, the original Metroid on NES. Uh, my uh, buddy of mine and I actually had a sleepover and decided we were going to play through it because that game, of course, didn't have battery backup. It was all passwords. And uh, I remember we played that game all night and we got to the last area where all the Metroids were and we stopped to go have some breakfast. And I literally walked in and picked up the controller. We had paused the game, picked up the controller, and the game crashed. Oh. I don't know if I had, like, shuffled my feet on the carpet or something and gave a little jolt to the system when I picked up the controller. I think that's probably what happened. So I ended up not finishing that game for years because I was so disgusted and I didn't want to deal with it. <laughs> and we had not been saving our passwords. We were just playing. Yeah. So, yeah. But I did eventually beat it. And I did really enjoy it. But I had played all the Metroids up until then as well. And... And it was it was an exciting time when this came out because I mean, uh, Metroid, uh, Super Metroid was like ninety four, so it had been like eight years since the last Metroid game, and I was working at EGM at the time as well, so we had actually just done a top one hundred list the previous year in two thousand one, and we had named Super Metroid our favorite game of all time, so it was just like you know the hype was there. I was very very excited for this. Okay, I forgot that we never got a Metroid for sixty four. So, I mean, for a lot of people, they're like, you know, we, you know, they're waiting for the next Metroid game. I, I had, I never played original Metroid. I've seen it played back then. I didn't even know Metroid 2. I think I knew it existed, but I had never, I have still never actually played the Game Boy game. One day I'm going to change that. And 
I had played Super Metroid, but I'm one of those people who I got to the green, as I call him, the Marvel boss, the green guy, and that, and I beat him, and I never really got anywhere. I just didn't. The game for me didn't click. I did not like Super Metroid at that time. I need to go back to it, but. And I, so when this came out, I was like, oh, OK, a Metroid game. And I mean, to me, Metroid was that Samus character is in Smash Brothers. That's all I knew Metroid as, really. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I had Metroid no, jumps out the window. Yeah, I mean, I, it was not I was not concerned. <laughs> I was like, oh, a Metroid game. OK. And I and I remember I saw this game at my friend's house the first time. I'm like, this is pretty cool, actually. I mean, it was to, but to me, I didn't really understand the, you know, the whole idea that Metroid was always a 2D thing. Like maybe I knew what didn't really. To me, it didn't seem that big of a deal. All of a sudden, all it's a first-person game. Like it just didn't click at that time. Like it clicks now. Like wow. I mean, this is a big, huge jump for a franchise. Yeah. Well, it was really divisive when it was coming out because um, it was weird. Nintendo was kind of doing that at the time, right? Like because the same thing was happening with Wind Waker for different reasons. You know, we, everyone has kind of felt like they perfected Zelda with Ocarina of Time on the N64, and then of course Majora's Mask was basically the same game. It's just a weird-ass version of of Zelda. And then they had shown this footage to show off the power of the GameCube. I, I distinctly remember them showing off footage of Link fighting Ganon, but like it was a very, it was an adult, like high poly, well, high poly for the time, <laughs> high poly Link and Ganon is like, Oh my God, the new Zelda is going to look so amazing. And then they showed, you know, Wind Waker and it's, it's this, extremely stylized slapstick like looney tunes style action and everyone not everyone a lot of people were just like what are we watching what happened to my super serious like adult link fighting ganon thing and it's kind of metroid was kind of the same way because yeah i mean the original metroid i think certain people had a lot of nostalgia for metroid 2 i could kind of take or leave i've never been a big fan of it but super metroid for a, a generation i think we really got into that game and you know there's a reason why the genre was called well metroidvania eventually <laughs> but the thing is is that i think the other thing that really made it so divisive was that we hadn't seen one since 1994 but in like 90 what seven i think is when symphony of the night came out and it was like okay they furthered the genre here right like they took what nintendo started with super metroid and they perfected it they you know symphony of the Night oh, yeah. was amazing it. so it's like oh i can't wait for nintendo to do another metroid because i can't like, seeing what konami had done it's like i can't even imagine what nintendo's going to be able to do with it and it's like oh it's a first person shooter like what <laughs> so yeah very divisive for for fans for people like you probably not so much but no, i mean for first person I want to say, I mean, first one, like for me, the first one I ever played was when I played Star Wars Shadow of the Empire, but the main one that stuck, or not Shadow of the Empire, Dark Force, the main one that stuck with me was Goldeneye from back in the 64 and that, so I was in Perfect Dark, so like, you know, I'm like, okay, here's another first person shooter, but this game isn't really what I would consider, I mean, it is first person, it's a shooter, yes, but it's not like a shooter like that, it's something so right. completely different, because it's really a platformer action game, maybe more in the, on kind of how Half-Life was, because I also never played Half-Life very far. Yeah, me neither. Okay, but I, I feel like this game kind of has some of that DNA in it because it's the same type of idea that you're going through a, a, an area. I mean, not backtracking. I'm, I know there's none of that in Half-Life, but that same idea where not just, you know, mission-based, like I was used to my first Yeah, year. Yeah, absolutely. It's not like a Doom or a Halo. And then I think that was the other thing that even further muddied the waters when, when this was coming out was that, you know, I think 2002. Wasn't it the same yeah. year that Halo came out or, or <gasps> was it the year before that? I think Halo came out the year before. Yeah, it did. Halo came out in 2001. Okay. Um, and I mean, you know, 
so you had Konami like sort of what I would say, excuse me, perfecting <laughs> the, the the Metroid style gaming back in '97, and then you had, in my opinion, and I think in a lot of people's opinion, Microsoft and Bungie kind of perfecting first person shooters on a console with the dual stick control and all that. And like, so not only is Nintendo coming out and saying, "Hey, Metroid is going to be a first person shooter, but not a dual stick first person shooter." We're going to do our own thing. And it's like, man, what is going on? Like, do. there's no way this is going to be. You're going to you're going to half bake everything. And there's no way this is going to be good. And, oh, and by the way, it's Retro Studios, who you've never heard of. Who was run originally not during this game's release by the guy who made Turok. Yeah. And who also went on to make the critically acclaimed guy game after he after yeah. he was on this studio for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He was not involved with most of the production of this game because he got fired. No, so. he he left. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how much yeah, that story is quite amusing, by the way. Yeah, no, that's guy. I, I, I think he was also involved in like a Razorsoft. If you know anything about the Genesis, there was the that game Technocop and Stormlord, and they they released very uh, controversial games on the Genesis as well. He was involved in in there somehow too. So he's been around for a while, but he was also, for for what it's worth, he was also, uh, I think he founded or ran Iguana Entertainment. Yeah, during the sixteen bit. So I mean, he he'd had some success, but you know, at the end of the day, it's like just everything was stacked against this game. From, yeah, from from the <laughs> standpoint of you know, it felt like they were they were doing damage control on it because I actually before we started this, I went back and looked at um a, a cover that we'd done on EGM where it was uh, all about Mario Sunshine. Wind Waker and Metroid Prime, but Metroid Prime was kind of the furthest out of all of these, I think, at the time. And so there's only a page on it, but they kind of had Miyamoto doing a like a press tour for the game to say, like, everything's okay. Don't worry. <laughs> everything's okay. You know, like we we trust retro, but we're also very involved. So everything's cool. Yeah, I mean, they were complete from the sound of it, they were completely involved in this game, like pretty quickly when they found out that. Like when they first gave them Metroid, they, I, it sounds like they were completely involved. Like they were giving them milestones to make and they were following up with everything. And that if they didn't, like I know, like the Morph Ball wasn't a thing at first. And they said, if you don't get the Morph Ball, the game's not happening, period. If you can't get right. that to switch from first to third. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, we've heard we've heard about that in, in uh, subsequent years, too. Like uh, what's the company that made uh, Luigi's Mansion? Next, next level? Next level games? I can't I remember. Anyway, uh, the ones who've made the Luigi's Mansion sequels, you know, like um, talk to some developers from there and they'll tell you like, no, Nintendo is very involved. <laughs> you know, they, it's not you're not just given like your check and a milestone and say, like, we'll see you in a few months. <laughs> it's like daily. You know, we're we're involved from the second pen meets paper to when the code is written and, and everything's tested and released. Which I'm, I'm glad for this game because you can see that DNA all over it and how yeah. how well this game plays when it really like when I heard all the all the background like this game should not be as good as it is. No, <laughs> no. I mean, like for one thing, you you took a franchise that was all 2D. It's, just, it's the first time you have 3D, and it still looks beautiful. Like I played this, I played the GameCube version on a Dolphin emulator, but I didn't really like. I didn't mess with any of the settings. I just I do the bare minimum settings just to make the game run because I don't care. But and it still looks beautiful. Like it still yeah. is a very good looking game. It's I was struck by it because I haven't played it since it came out, although I do count it as one of my favorite games of all time. <laughs> but, you know, and I was struck by even as much as how alive everything feels like they did a, a fantastic job. First of all, it's very low poly because it's, you know, from 20 years ago. <laughs> 
But and and it's on the GameCube, which at the time was getting a lot of flack for being the least powerful of the three systems that were out at the time, right? Yes. But you know, it's kind of it's very much in that same vein as Nintendo has been for a long time, where it's like it's not about horsepower; it's about art direction, and it, you absolutely could see that here. Everything looks really pretty. Yes, it looks low poly at times, but one of the ways that they managed to do that was just the worlds feel very alive. There's so much going on around you. They feel organic, you know, even from the standpoint of, and I I actually had a moment when this happened. So I was playing the game uh, and I'm actually playing on the GameCube through a retro tink. So it looked fantastic on my, (laughs) my 4k screen. But anyway, I was playing the game and at one point um, I had to step away and I didn't, I didn't pause the game. I just let it sit, right? Because I'd beaten every enemy in that particular room. <clears throat> and I came back and my son, who has never played this game or played a GameCube, but plays the Switch. And we've had uh, drifting issues with our, our Joy-Cons. He said, oh, Dad, I think your, your controller is drifting. I was like, what do you mean? And I looked at it and I realized that no, because the idle animation for the camera is not for Samus to stand still. She's there's a lot of motion in the camera and it and it, it's just again one of those little tweaks where it's like it makes her feel alive even when you're not touching the controller it doesn't affect gameplay in any way you know especially negatively which is great but it's just another one of those things where it's like you know it's the same as the schools of fish that are are swimming around when you get into the underwater areas or the you know the flies or anything that are happening Sorry about that. Not the flies and everything that you see flying around. And it's just, you know, the whole world feels alive, feels lived in. So it's great. I mean, it really does. I mean, and this game has has a story. I, I, I mean, it doesn't. And one thing, it kind of has like <laughs> that Dark Souls vibe to it where it doesn't shove the story down your throat. It's very much just in the area. If you want to get it, it's there. If you want to read descriptions. Mm-hmm. I mean, the game doesn't hold your hand either at first. Like, it doesn't really tell you where to go. Like, I mean, you start off on a ship and gives you kind of like tutorial. Like, oh, you know, you can use your charge beam to do this. You can do this. Like, it it shows you the initial parts of the game while you're on a frigate, which to me, I didn't realize was a very Metroid-y thing or a super Metroid thing oh, where yeah. you go somewhere, you're trying to stop, you know, or save somebody. You find a bunch of, you know, space pirates that are all dead, and then you end up losing everything, which I didn't know at that time. Like, that's a very Metroid-y thing, nor did I know this game's actually a sequel to the first Metroid and takes place in between Metroid 1 and Metroid 2, which didn't matter to me. still doesn't matter to I'd me. I'd forgotten about that, but yes. <laughs> I mean, it's irrelevant. I mean, it's just, there's a timeline, but it, it doesn't matter. But it just kind of makes sense that that's, it just explains that that's why she had all this equipment that she had. Mm-hmm. And then the static burst when the sh- when the research ship blows up is what makes her lose it all. I mean, yeah. I don't understand how it just ended up on the planet the way it did, but whatever <laughs> yeah, it's best not to think about it too hard <laughs> yeah, game's got a game i mean some yeah. of the stuff is extra stuff that she didn't have that she picked up but yeah, that's real i mean because again this is supposed to be this planet was a ruin of the chosa which are the ones that you find out in the first game made her suit and all maybe you know they're the ones that were involved with all that that she was raised by yeah i mean this was kind of i, I feel like one of the major things they were trying to accomplish with with this game was to really solidify the lore because the lore in the first game was really, you know, Hey, it's a girl. Like, that's really it that she's a bounty hunter and there, and you know, she discovers these Metroids on Zebes, I think is the name of the planet. And I, but I think she's after Ridley and whatever the other boss's name is. Like, I don't really remember the story because the story wasn't important in the original Metroid at all. It just kind of happened. And then Metroid two 
the only really important thing in Metroid 2 was that there was a single, there were 99 Metroids or something like that that you had to destroy, right? Like that was the whole point of the game. Yeah. And then that sort of dovetailed into Super Metroid, which is because of the very end of Metroid 2 in the ending, when you're escaping, she comes across the baby Metroid that follows her. And then that's the setup for Super Metroid, where it's like the where it actually says the last Metroid in the galaxy or is is in captivity in the galaxy is at peace. It's talking about that baby Metroid. So, you know, sure. you were starting to get a through line there, but then it felt like with Metroid Prime was very much like, okay, we need to really build up the lore because the Chozo statues were in Super Metroid, but it didn't really tell you what they were. They were just these bird statues that were holding all of the items you picked up. And one of them had, you know, attacked you. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, that's really... That's all I remember. I'm sure there was more lore in the instruction book, which is where we got our stories back then. (laughs) But I don't remember it. But like this was very much like, okay, let's actually build up the legend of the Chozo and of Samus and how she's related to them and why, you know, everything's happening. So which is what kind of makes this game so impressive is that one thing about this game that was so brand new, but now it's so part of the Metroid Prime series itself is scanning it's you hit you hit the left button on the d-pad of your gamecube controller and then you scan items you can see oh this is a door this does this but it doesn't you know you have to like especially for creatures it will, it will give you the lore about the creature but you have to go into a different menu if you want to read more mm-hmm. so it, you know for me i would scan just to scan because my brain was like okay it's ticked <laughs> you know i didn't really need to do it i would just do it just because i like to I right like to see things not be bright you know <laughs> ocd brain kind of thing. right but, so i would scan but i like i didn't read anything but it, i love the fact that it there i mean every so often i would read stuff just because i was like okay what what is it you know is this kind of is this a wall i can break and it was like oh this wall is made out of benzium or something or this wall has cracks like little things that will that once you know like oh i can use a power bomb to blow this up or i can shoot a super missile at this or i can shoot a missile missile like it, it gives you the hints without really broadcasting things to you yes yeah absolutely and it's, it's yeah. so good still yeah i mean you're right and and i i I am a big fan of that, although I'm kind of the same way every now and then, like the OCD will kick in and it's like, well, <laughs> there's 40 things to scan in this room. I better scan them all, you know, because I, I want to make sure all those icons are dim. It just shows that I've done it. But if you do want to stop and read that stuff, there's a lot of there's a lot there to read, especially like you. You kind of get the whole backstory of not only the Chozo and how, you know, the the planet's sort of falling apart and what happened to them. And it explains the ghosts that you fight eventually, but also with the space pirates and what they've been doing and how all their experimentation all went really wrong. And, you know, so there's all kinds of stuff happening there and you get all that if you scan their computers. So, but again, don't need to know it doesn't really matter, but if you want it, it's there. I did scan every computer, but that was partly because I found out very quickly computers will open doors. Mm -hmm. So if you don't scan, you won't open a force field to continue on with the game. Yeah. So I scanned every computer just to be like, I need to make sure I don't miss a switch or something (laughs) that, is going to, you know, make me so I can't progress. Right. So I was being very careful with that. And it was also like we had mentioned before, I had played, we, you know, we both played the game before, but you're right, it felt like a brand new experience. I have actually played, the last time I played this seriously was 13, 12, 13 years ago. My son had just been born. I had started before he was born. Then he was born. I was still trying to play it. But as a new dad, you don't, you don't know what time, you know, time doesn't yeah. exist anymore. Yeah. <laughs> just the constant. Work, try to sleep, take care of the kid. Work, try to sleep, take care. So mm-hmm. I had started this game, and I remember he was in the hospital. He had meningitis, and so we, so I wasn't working. He was just sleeping. He was on different, you know, he was just he was little, and you know, we didn't know what was going on. I remember sitting in the, in the room just playing Metroid Prime because I didn't know what else to do. So my brain's like, oh, we'll just play Metroid Prime while he's sleeping. Yeah, and no, that's how he stuck with me. 
<laughs> I to- I totally relate. I, there are pictures of me playing Xbox 360 with my daughter literally laying across my chest. Like, <laughs> okay, like she, this is because she wasn't a very good sleeper. And it's like, well, okay, so she sleeps best if she's laying on one of us. So I'm just going to sit up and play Halo and <laughs> she can sleep and I'll play and everything's cool. I did that with Final Fantasy 11 a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember sitting there playing it and I got and I got to a certain point in this game and then I just stopped playing because life got busy. We came back home and then I remember trying to pick this game up again and it was one I just couldn't like I didn't remember what I did. Nothing made sense. I remember nothing. So I'm like, well, I'm done. I have to start over. <laughs> and then I play, I started this game again on the Wii but I didn't like controls and I stopped again mm. and I haven't touched this game for at least over 10 years. So when I came back to it, everything felt so new, like some stuff like the, the intro areas up to the first boss of the Chosel ruins. Like I remembered, but it didn't take long before the game just felt like such a new experience again. Right. It's just, yeah. It's wonderful. <laughs> That's exactly what my experience was too. And then it's funny that you say that because as much as I love this, I never ever got into echoes, which was the second one and prime three, I barely touched for the exact same reason. I could not stand the controls on the Wii. So that's why I've never I own the Metroid Prime Trilogy collection on Target at on a Wii that I bought at Target for 50 bucks a long time ago, which is now mm-hmm. worth way more than that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can't I can't handle the Wii controls. Nope. There so I'm is, excited to hear that. I think they're bringing this all out on Switch, right? I hope so. Yeah, I'm very excited for that. There also is a mod to play this game on your computer with with uh, keyboard controls and mouse, just like you're playing Doom or something. Oh, right on. I almost did it, but. I didn't because I just didn't want to bother with the mod with all the modding for. I mean, there's not a whole lot, but I just didn't bother and then wanted to play. I wanted to play the game experience for this episode. But right. It's there. If you want to play this game as a first person shooter, like accurately, you can. <laughs> so I think that's cool that it exists in that form. I hope this does come out in switch because I think more people need to experience this series. And, you know, it shouldn't be just stuck in the GameCube. In the Wii. Absolutely. Yeah. Agreed. But even like the first world that you start in, so you. One thing that's always I found really exciting too is that like when you when you have your ship land, you can always go back to your ship in the Talon Overworld. There's not a whole lot there, but it's cool to have your ship there, which refills your ammo and and refills your health, of course, and saves. And it's just it's so cool. I mean, I found myself going there multiple times just to refill missiles when I needed to. And I mean, that's that the area. a direct callback to Super Metroid, right? Metro, Super Metroid did the exact same thing. Okay, see, I didn't so, know. That. <laughs> yeah, after you get through sort of the opening space station in Super Metroid. And it blows up. You land on, I think you're on Zebes again in Super Metroid. And, you know, when you get in there and you start going around to the planet every now and then, you will come back to a central area and her ship is right there. And you can do the exact, it's a safe point, basically. So it's, yeah, which again, it's very much a nod to this game starts out so much like Super Metroid. It's unreal, <laughs> you know, which is great. I have no complaints, but um, especially, I feel like it was brilliant of them to do that, especially for those of us who, were probably a little bit reluctant about playing this in first per playing a Metroid game in first person is like, remember that game you loved? Like, remember that game is the, which is the reason why you're not sure you want to play this. We're going to replicate it beat for beat for the first 40 minutes of this game. And you're going to see that it works. You know what I mean? Like this perspective works, these controls work. And by the time you're through that space station and you land on whatever the name of the planet is in this game, I forget. You're gonna Talon feel four. you're gonna feel nostalgic for Super Metroid, and you're gonna realize that this is a Metroid game, and it 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 works in this first person perspective. It's brilliant. I mean, it's a yeah, it really is, and and just going to like the Chosel Ruin, just everything is is so like they they really capture this whole atmosphere of a derelict city that you're traveling around, and 
some of the enemies that you encounter are the same enemies from the other Metro game. Like the little blue spiky guys are here and you have mm-hmm. other things. I mean, you have lots and lots of new enemies because it's a whole different aspect and whole way of game. But it, it's cool. They found a way to take stuff that would stick with people to you know bring that nostalgic up and just put it in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the bosses are mostly different except for one. But because you're on a different planet, you're not really fighting space pirates. But I, I, I right. love those differences. And, and the Chozo Ruins where you go and you're getting some of your, you know, your starting equipment. I mean, it can't, the game does such a good job of showing, oh, you can't go through this door because you don't have missiles. All right, so you got to go get missiles. You got to, like, it does such a good job of not telling you what to do, but forcing you to find the right path. Yeah, and I will say that, uh, and this was something that I, I struggled with back playing it originally, the 3D map is great. It's not as intuitive as looking at, you know, in a side scroller like a like a Super Metroid or a, a Symphony of the Night or any any number of Castlevania games post Symphony of the Night. You know, I mean, that's it's way easier to figure out what you're looking at there. So I also really liked how, if you want it, you can turn this off. There's a hint system, right? Which we, you you're probably very familiar with. It's like okay, I've 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 completed this this major milestone, and after a few minutes, you get a note. You get a notification pop up on your screen. And you tap Z and it's like, there's a lot of seismic activity here. And it's like, okay, so this is where I need to go. And it's like, I'm going to show you the room on the map. You haven't been there yet. And I'm not going to show you how to get there. And I'm not going to tell you what you do when you get there. But there's where you're going next. And the wonderful thing about it is every time that you reload a game, after you, if you had to turn it off, the first thing that happens is that notification pops up again. Oh, Okay, I didn't know that because I almost never, I always, I save stated most of the time. Oh, okay, well, there you go. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so if you, you know, because I was playing on on the actual hardware and I turn it off and then when I load the game up, it's like, you know, while you're, before you even leave the save room, that notification will pop up again. It's like, this is where you're going, just so you know, good luck, right? And it's like, this is great. And you can turn it off if you want to, which is also brilliant, right? So (laughs) um, you don't want the hints. Yeah, so they, they managed to sidestep the sort of the, the fiddliness of 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 navigating in a 3D space and reading a 3D map because it's not always intuitive, but they they managed to they managed to make it much less painful, which is nice. It's hard. I actually printed out a map of the 3D map. <laughs> just a just a, a found a sheet on online and someone took it and I tried to use it because I always do that for all Metroidvanias, but it, it didn't really work very well for this game. <laughs> Right. Like it didn't help me any. Like I had it there, so there were a couple times I would grab and go, okay, where's the Trozo artifact? Oh, there's one here that I haven't seen, or I haven't or this item is here, then I would pull up a different map online and be able to and use that. But it is really hard. Like because a lot of times with a three D map, like I couldn't I would I would have to take it where you like you were saying, spin it and make it a flat so I could figure out exactly where where I'm going when I'm just traveling around to get somewhere. Yeah. And I mean for the most part, if if you're not dealing with a lot of verticality, it's not a big deal. But it's when you get into the areas where, you know, you've got rooms sort of on top of rooms and it's like, OK, now I'm now I'm a little lost. <laughs> but but it, it never got bad. And, you know, it's like you said, when you have when you highlight the, a room in the map, it shows you, which is a really nice feature. It shows you the, the doors are color coded. So it's like, OK, if I don't have the wave beam, I can't open that door. That purple door is only can be open only with the wave beam or that white door can only be open with the ice beam. So it's like. All right, I know I don't need to go there right now because I don't have that weapon. Maybe the, that weapon's the next thing I need to get. I don't know, but so it's, also, it's, it's, it's well. Now that I've beaten the game, I find it amusing that the final area of the game is right by the beginning of your ship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, I like that because it it feels a lot to me 
I mean, I wasn't used to that. The first game that I experienced that really did something like that with Dark Souls, where everything is connected, everything is shortcuts to the same place. Like, you know, and I, I love that. Like in this game, as you progress and you get more equipment, you you know, at any metro, and you unlock areas you couldn't go to before. You unlock the doors you couldn't get to. And the fact that every this this whole world feels so organic and alive, like you were saying before, everything is so close. Like that you're you have the Talon Overworld, which is not that far away from the Chozo Ruins. You have the Megmore Caves that go underneath the Chozo Ruins that connect with the Fendra Snowdrift. Like everything is so close together, and mm-hmm. I I love the way it, it feels like a real place. It doesn't feel like you're in a video game play, other than yeah monsters, but still. <laughs> but at the same time, it also lets you sort of live with the the tropes that that I think a lot of people are probably very happy with. Anybody who's been playing video games for a long time, especially. Uh, uh, platforming games is um you know you have your snow world and you have mm-hmm. your lava world and you have like so they still get to, they still get to split the worlds up like that by using the elevators which is great but yeah you you like you said it's it's all very nicely connected which which again is is a is a an earmark or a trademark of the uh, it, Metroid series. It's something I like seeing in science fiction. I like when a planet has different atmospheres because a, a real planet would, unlike like Star Trek or Star Wars, is very like, oh, this is a desert planet. The whole planet is a desert. Right. I, <laughs> Stargate FG1 does the same thing. I like how with this, you know, because a, a real planet would have different atmospheres like our planet. So I like how it has that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that and made me real happy. And if you, if you did bother to scan all the enemies, a lot of them are the same enemy that have have evolved differently because of the area that they're living in, right? It's so it's like, oh, cool. So this is kind of the same thing I've been fighting before. So I kind of know how it's going to react to things. But it's you know, here's the reason why you can't use the ice beam on this one, but or it has a hard shell or it has spikes or something like that, you know. So it's it's kind of cool how they sort of drew it all together. Oh, I didn't I didn't know they did that. Yeah, I never read. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> I was also like just fascinated, like the way that this game gives you missile upgrades and energy tanks, how like you're certain things that you will just get as as you're progressing through an area. I mean, some is hidden, of course, because this game has a you can hold as 49 or missile upgrades in this game mm-hmm. and 12 energy tanks. I think you can get. Oh, is that how many? OK, I think it's 12. I have like seven. It could, right be, it could be a little bit more. It's right around there. I got most of them. I didn't finish because I just I, I found what I found along the way or what. I knew I didn't I didn't use the guys. OK, go here and do this. Like I would watch. I watched the speed run. So some stuff like, oh, OK, this is where this is. But if I didn't get it, I didn't go back for it. Right. <laughs> I was like, oh, the game moved on. <laughs> Time to go. Yeah. And I find that's how I was playing this uh, because I was playing for the show. You know, same thing. I was looking around and if I saw something uh, like in a wall, you know, it's like, oh, how do I get there? And if it was something I could do while I was there, I would do it. But otherwise, I was kind of like trying to mainline it otherwise. Yeah, because <clears> you don't. <throat> have the ability to mark things on your map. Oh, there's a missile here. I mean, I could have done my physical map, right. but that's not good enough. <laughs> yeah. If yeah. I could have marked stuff on digital map, then I would have came back for it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, and like, I also like how in Chosen Ruin, the first boss that you fight, Flagra, is all, I mean, he's like poisoning the environment and like the way they make them. You, I mean, the bosses in this game aren't really just boss fights. They're more puzzles than it, besides the last one. They're mostly puzzles, which I like that. Like, how do you yeah. beat this guy? Like, you have to shoot these little satellites or shoot him, then shoot the satellites to knock up the, and then knock up the sun, and then he then you can go inside where he's at because he shov- he shrivels up into a flower and you and you bomb him. Like it's a really cool way to figure out. It's not that difficult once I learned. Oh, just keep shooting him so he's stunned. Yeah, I mean it's a, you know, and it's I, I think that was Nintendo and Retro. I mean we got to give Retro Studios credit; they did make the game. But oh yeah, um, I think that's Nintendo and Retro Studios realizing I think something that a lot of companies were struggling with then with the first person shooter 
was, you know, you, you kind of if you're getting away from the side scrolling shooters that we were so used to up until that point on the console side, I'm talking about, because I know, you know, first person shooters had been around for quite a while on PC at this point. But, you know, I always found that for the most part in a first person shooter, a lot of bosses end up being bullet sponges like that was the challenge was just survive long enough to, to do enough damage and then they're done, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not very Nintendo, right? Or 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 Sega or really anybody who is or Konami, you know, anyone who's creating side scrolling shooters for years up to that point. So it's like I really like that they went the route of how do we make these bosses interesting? Because they could have easily, especially in a game where you're using a lock on mechanic as well, you know, it's like, well, once I'm locked on and I just keep feeding damage to this thing, it's a battle of who lasts the longest, which is okay once in a while, but isn't that interesting, you know? And it's like, no, let's let's make every boss a puzzle of some sort. It's it's so much more interesting, and it's, again, very much more Metroid. And I know some people complain that because when you shoot, if you hold down R, she aims, she'll, you can aim freely and not lock on. And people complain, oh, you stand still, you don't move. And to me, I'm like, well, in GoldenEye, if you hold down R, you don't move either, so that's just normal. Yeah. So it doesn't like it didn't affect me at that time because I didn't know it. I'm like, oh, this is to me. This was normal. Yeah. The first thing you needed to think of when you started playing that game was this is not Halo. (laughs) I don't think I had played Halo at the time because I didn't have an Xbox till later. And I don't remember my friends didn't either. So I I don't I think I played this game before I played Halo. Oh, okay. Which I think is a better way to play this game. Yeah, (laughs) because it's not it's not it's not that type of game. It's. It's a Metroidvania, but first person. You know, you're going through, you're exploring areas, you're coming back to places with different weapons to find new items, and you know, yeah, I mean, there's not many of this type of game because this game was a, a lot to make. <laughs> and I, I felt like, yeah, I mean, with the lock-on stuff, I was really super impressed when I finally played the game, where you know, because I really didn't think a, a, a first-person shooter that was uh, not dual stick at this point was going to work, right? I just didn't think it could. And that's having played a bunch of single control, single stick shooters on consoles up until that point. And they were okay, you know, but Halo was sort of a revelation to me anyway. And I don't remember, I don't know if that was the first one to do dual sticks if, for anybody who's getting angry listening to this. If it's, it's just the one I remember, you know. I don't think it's the first, but it's very, it's one of the first like big ones. I, I want right. to say someone else did it first and people gave them shit for it, but I can't remember offhand. You're but probably right. You're probably right. And, you know, not only that, but the fact they made that comfortable. But the other thing that I was really sure wasn't going to work, and it absolutely does, is platforming. You know, I mean, it's not the platforming had never been in a first-person shooter, but it wasn't always great. You know, like, you kind of put up with it and just hope for the best. And especially when you got into the dual-stick shooters, because almost all the time your platform, your jump button was a face button on the controller. So you were giving up the ability to look up and down, right? While you were jumping. So you couldn't really see where you were going to gain purchase when you were trying to land. Whereas again, Nintendo and retro went back to a single stick camera control and suddenly platforming was really good. Platforming doesn't bother me at all in this game. And it has everything to do with the fact that they were smart enough to tilt the camera down as you jump. Like that's all it is. And as a right. guy who's played other first-person shooters that platform, like 13, that platform is no good. <laughs> right, exactly. Platforming in, in first-person is really hard, usually. Well, I don't you know, like and, when games have it. Oh, and to answer your other question, the first game to have dual stick was Alien Resurrection for PS1. Oh, well, there you go. 
<laughs> and God. somebody posted a GameSpot comment from October 2007. The game's control setup is his most terrifying element. The left analog stick moves you forward, back, and straps right and left, while the right analog stick turns you, and you can be used to look up and down. I vividly remember reading that, actually. Now that you're saying that, I know I've read that before. I want to play that game now. Um, <laughs> but, you know, and, and again, and going back to this, it, Nintendo and Retro weren't the first companies to do that whole tilt the camera down while you jump. Because, I mean, anybody who's ever played Jumping Flash knows that that's how that game works. <laughs> right? So, you know, it's not about. that it was impossible, but it was like, hey, by getting rid of free control over your your camera direction, we can take control when you jump and ma- it makes jumping that much better. It's like, yeah, it was great. It was awesome. Again, they are big fans of Jumping Flash, clearly. So <laughs> that game exists. But that was one thing that just made this, you know, it makes it so interesting. And and the contr- everything still holds up. The controls are still all very solid. Like the platforming. I mean, I had some issue with it sometimes, but it was more of a me thing. Just not right. You know, but once you get the double jump, it's not so bad. But it was like, I was also interested in how the double jump works in this game. It's like you jump and then you wait, then you hit the second one. And it's like, she'll, you know, I don't know, just use it to get over a lot of long spaces that I feel like wouldn't work in all platformers games. Like usually you have to jump you know, jump the height of your jump. And this one, sometimes you just, it's different. I, I don't know. It just, it worked really well. Like I, I'm also usually not a fan of platform, but it, I enjoy it a lot in this game. And it, and that's a whole, mm-hmm. that's a Metroid thing. And they did a good job of capturing it. Yep. Which yeah. Is surprising. And that, you know, again, <clears throat> when we, when we knew they were going first person, it's like, but Metroid's about jumping and exploring as much as it is about shooting. How can this be a first person shooter? Yeah. And, and I know like the whole reason of why the game has a visor is because of, Miyamoto came in on a meeting and said that it, it was a translation error, but he said it should be bug light. And they were like, you want her to have a bug head? <laughs> but, he meant, but he meant that he, you know, about the visor. And again, the visor is such an incredible part of this game, too, because you get rain will go on your visor. You will get static on your visor. If you fight certain type of enemies and you get too close or you'll get, you know, sm- like a mist on it and stuff. And it, it's just mm-hmm. it adds to the whole atmosphere that you are. Sam is running around in this isolation. I also like, love and I don't know if you came across this, but I, I, I very much remember the first time I saw this happening when I played the game. So if there's an explosion too close to you, you actually can see her reflection in the visor. I don't know if I did. I, I can't remember now. Yeah, you can just catch your eyes. It's very fast, but it is there. And you see her face every so often, too, which I like. Like when you go down elevators, I'll zoom right on her and you see her looking through the helmet. Yeah. It, and, I, you know, it just does such a good job. Even like the Fender Drifts, which I remembered very vaguely. That's where I stopped. Or, that's where I stopped the first time that I played the game. <laughs> okay. So I didn't know a whole lot, but I remembered them. And I remember the snow boss, but I mean, just the whole snow environment. It's also so cool. Like I, and you have more ruins of where you can see how the Chosa were living on this planet and how, you know, things went awry. It's, it's so good. And the, the turrets and how like the space pirates have built things on this planet among the ruins, which is all the technology parts that you're seeing with turrets all over the place that are trying to kill you. And space pirates don't even play a part until later on until you really start getting into where they're at. Because they have outposts throughout this planet that you run into a few times. I think the first one... I can't remember where the first one is, but I know there's a few. Yeah, I remember... Um, it might be Chosen the first somewhere. Time. It's... I want to say it's the, the Drifts, actually. But oh, I, I no, don't you're remember. right. It's the Drifts. Yeah, and you, you sort of get into like a big laboratory, and that's when you really start to fight them. And then they just kind of start popping up in different areas. And especially once you find the flying guys there, mm-hmm. I find they tend to pop up a lot. I like it. It's more of they're now aware of your presence on this planet. So now they're kind of hunting you in a sense. Right. That's how I, that's how I take it. I don't know if that's what the game meant, but that's how it, it felt to me. Well, I mean, that's, and it's, it's 
again, sort of the lore of, of Metroid, right? Because I believe Ridley is supposed to be the head of the Space Pirates, yes. right? And Ridley was in the first game as well. Ridley was a boss. And I, now that we're talking about this, I think the story did center around her her fighting Space Pirates in the first game. And then they were a big deal in the in the third game in Super Metroid. You were fighting them a lot, especially when you were escaping the planet. So they're kind of like old adversaries. So they, they had to be there. But yeah, they work well. Yeah, I they mean, do. they take the space. And as the game goes progressive, they do a good job of evolving them to make them not the same enemy. I mean, mm. they become kind of stealthy where you can't lock onto them. You can barely see them in your regular visor and you have to like just shoot in the, in the general direction to hit them. Yeah, I, I, I like them because they die quick when you have the plasma beam. <laughs> So. Yeah, I was ever since I got the ice beam, I, re- I like fighting them because only one shot from the ice beam mm-hmm. will freeze the flying ones, and then you can just shoot a missile and blow them up. <laughs> yeah, that's what I did constantly. <laughs> <laughs> it made it a, it made it a lot more fun. That was always free. The ice beam was another like when you and the game does a good job of like I know in some met, the later Metroid Prime games, at least definitely for three, all your your gun just keeps getting better and better and better. Same as like original Super Metroid. Mm. But in this game, you actually have to choose what gun you're using. Are you using your, your regular cannon, your wave beam cannon, your ice beam, your plasma? Like you have to choose what cannon you're going to have for what fight. And mm-hmm. I think it does a good job of, you know, rotating that around to make you have to figure out. Like you have enemies later on near the end of the game that are different colors. And you have to use the cannon, effective cannon for their color to take them out or you won't hurt them otherwise. Yeah. And then and then mapping the mapping the selection to the C button was a nice touch as well. Yeah. So you're not constantly fiddling with sub menus. Which is nice. It, it make it keeps you more in the action. Same thing as your visor with the D pad yeah. affects your three different visor: X ray visor, your heat visor, and your scanning visor. Yeah, I mean, this combat. is one of those. And I know that a lot of Nintendo games are built around, especially from the N sixty four on. That like, a lot of Nintendo's games are built around the controller, and this is a game that's clearly built for this controller. I know that you were playing. I don't know if you were playing using a GameCube controller or not, but. Yeah, <laughs> playing without a GameCube controller, I feel, would be actually a bit confusing in this game. Not impossible, but it's clearly built to be played with a very specific controller. You know, not like now where almost everything is like four face buttons, two sticks, a D-pad, four shoulder buttons, two of which are probably analog triggers. You know, like that's kind of the standard for everything besides Nintendo at this point. There's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, Nintendo games tend to play better with Nintendo controllers. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I bought a USB GameCube controller that I use ah, for these cool. type of games. Yeah, that's great. It just, you have to. I've tried to play it with like a 360 controller and it just doesn't, you're right, yeah. it doesn't work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the same thing with N64 games, I find. Nine times out of ten, if you're not playing it using an N64 controller, you're not getting the experience that was intended, you know? And it's the same with GameCube, big time. Nintendo for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're good at it. And, and also, like, in this game, like, her armor transforms a few different times. You get three armor upgrades. I didn't even know about the last one, which is only in this game, which, I, again, you know, little touches where she just finds a suit here, you know, throughout the game. Oh, and now you can access these areas. And then her final suit is because you beat a boss and he falls on you. And then you absorb his energy, his phage on <laughs> energy, and you get the last suit, which has a black Samus suit, which I did not know existed. But it looks so cool. And I think that's what leads into Echoes, isn't it? Into the second game. I think so. I actually have I own Echoes, but I have and I bought it shortly after release. But I never played Echoes. Not even. I wasn't crazy <laughs> about it. I I heard it was really hard, so I've never got. I'm always telling myself, oh, one day I'm going to get around to it, and still sitting there. Right. So, some point when I when I put it on the show, I'll I'll make <laughs> myself play it. But other than that, no, I I 
I'm not. <laughs> I'll stay away from that game. Yeah, that's pretty. But much I, I think I, I think you're right. Does lead into it, and like even with the the Fenger drifts, like you were talking, we were talking about where you go through that whole pirate base, and you're you're kind of seeing what they're doing and how they're affecting this world. And I, I want to say the second boss you fight is a giant golem that is made out of the phazon energy, or the phazon energy made this golem, which is this energy this energy is on this planet that they're mining that you find out later. Right. Yeah. And it's 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 basically perverting everything right yeah it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's the reason this planet is having all the is so messed up is because this, this meteor fell and infected it with this energy yeah and it's the reason why the chozo ghosts are are attacking you as well i think oh. if you read the some of the lore that you can scan on the walls i think it's them talking about how even in the goat like that it's it's messed them up and even in their ghostly forms they can't they can't stop attacking things oh that's i didn't know that that's cool yeah i was wondering why they attacked you i just didn't pay attention which is again kind of a throwback to super metroid in that at one point one of the earliest bosses is a chozo statue yep right and i don't remember where i read it but it was kind of like there was a guide or something where it's like what could possibly be infecting this world that the chozo who are normally samus's friends would feel the need to attack her as well and so it's very similar to to that. Okay, that's cool. I never, I forgot about that in Super Metro. I mean, I remember the statue. I didn't know that there was like text that had that or anything. Yeah, I can't remember if it's in game or if it's in the manual or in a guide. I don't know. Maybe it's just somebody, something somebody made up, but I liked it. Works for me. It makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it, it could have easily inspired what they did with this game. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think that there's, a, there's definitely a reverence for the source material, which is nice. And I mean, I don't know if that's retro or if that's Nintendo <clears throat> or a combination of the two. But I, going back to what I've been saying the whole time is basically like you, I really respected how much they respected longtime fans, but was still like, we're still going to go a different way, you know, but we think that you'll be okay with it. And we want you to come along with us. And we're going to show you that we have absolute respect for the source material and everything you loved about it. Yeah, they, they really do. I mean, I have played more Metroid games since now, then. So now when I went back to this game, it like I, I can see references to Metroid. I can it makes now I understand what more so. Mm. And like with the morph ball, I mean, the fact that you can just go to a third person in a game and all of a sudden see things a little bit differently. And the mm-hmm. fact that you can like move around with the ball for almost every area. I mean, you, you can a lot like you can boost it. And the fact that like even in this game, you can it has the whole like pinball type thing where you have to shoot yourself up with the morph ball a few different times. Yep. I mean, that. I got good at that, but it's like the fact that this is there is so interesting to me that they were able to fit that into this game. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You two different modes. I just, I don't know. It's just, it's so impressive. <laughs> it really is. It's just a good game. Yeah. I was surprised how much fun it still was. Like, I, and I like the backtracking in this game. I had, you know, it does it a lot, but because of the world is so, like, close together, it doesn't make it that challenging. And it usually does a good job of sending you an area. You'll, get, you'll do a couple of things. Okay, now I'll go back over here. Like after you get the boost ball and the Fender Drift for the first time. Okay, now you got to go back to the first area. And then you go get the high space boots. Okay, so once you get that, now you're able to go here and here and get this. And it does a good job of always giving you different things to play with. Like giving you the new beam after a little while. Okay, here's a you know, new boot. Here's a new a new you know, ability with the with the morph ball. Now you can cl- use the spider ball and climb up things. Like it does a very good job always giving you something new to visit new areas that you couldn't get to before. Yeah, it's and and the other thing that I think that's done really well is that um, the backtracking is made even less painful because 
they well we just talked about it with this especially once the space pirates kind of start to to fan out into the different areas it's like okay you know i've been through this room a dozen times and like i could think of one in the um the fire area i can't remember the name more caverns yeah thank you i can think of one sort of hub room in there mm-hmm. where i went through there probably 10 times and when you first going through there it's a mixture of turrets and those floating enemies that look like little covid balls that you can <laughs> shoot and then they, they spew poison right yeah, you know i never i never thought of them as covid balls oh but God. you're right they do look like germs virus. so it's like you know that's fine because i'm not spending a lot of time in this room like the from the first time i was there i explored and it's like cool and i think at first you couldn't get up to the next level so when you came back and you had like the space ju- jump boots or whatever they're called then you could get up to the next level and it was more turrets and a couple more of those little things and it's like, all right, so from now on, when I come through here, all I'm doing is running through this room. I, I, you know, there's not really much to do in here. But once the space pirates start to fan out, then when you come into that room, you're not fighting turrets and germs. You're fighting the flying space pirates. So it's like it changes it up just enough that it helps it from getting too tedious. Yeah. Which is which is nice. Because the environment will change. You don't have to beat the first boss. The environment changes. The acid kind of goes away and things and you'll see different enemies will spawn some areas now that weren't there before. In the ice world, after you defeat the golem and you come back, some of the these blue creatures you fight, they're no longer there anymore. Now, like these these stronger versions of them have showed up now to fight you like the kings of them or something like I like how the environment changes as you progress through the game and you get stronger and, and the game is changing. Yeah. Yeah, it, exactly. It does feel very like a live environment because a lot of times you're fighting freaking you know animals that live in this planet. You're you're just you're the intruder. So you're trying yeah. to kill, kill a lot of wildlife. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's Metroid. What you do? What are you gonna do? But I mean that that again. I like that. I like that she's not just fighting adversaries. She's fighting a planet itself as she's progressing through. Yeah, agreed. And the the last part of the game that I don't like as much is when you get to the phase on mines when you finally get down to what the pirates have been doing all this time where they're mining. I am not a fan of the final area. Like, I feel like that's where the game gets way tougher. And I don't, especially if you haven't been collecting all the, all the energy tanks. Like I, I wasn't oh. <laughs> and missed a bunch. It's not as fun. Uh, that'll do it. I didn't get that far this time. So can't really. Did you, know, you, what part comment? did you stop at? Um, I'm trying to remember what I just most recently did. I got, I've got the spider ball and I've got the beam weapon that you can use with the, with the wave beam. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the next place I had to go is somewhere in the drifts. Uh, I was trying to make my way through there, so I think there's a, probably a boss that I need you to get fight the th- in there. You would have got the thermal visor. The there's the golem boss. I have the thermal visor. Okay, the, and then there's you got the the waybuster thing. Yes. Ice. Did you, you were heading to the ice beam then. I have the ice beam. Okay. So did you get yeah. the gravity suit yet? No. Okay. That's so the next thing I was on my way to do. Is a gravity suit. Then when you get the gravity suit, then you go into the crashed frigate, which I forgot about. Well, thank you. You reminded me. The cra- I had It wasn't until this playthrough where I put together the crashed frigate you go on is the one that you were on that crashed in the beginning of this game. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's the same ship. And it's the exact same layout. They just flipped it on its side, too. Or they just kind of mess with it. But it's the oh, same exact ship. Okay. I think the parasite... You can even see the dead parasite queen in there. I... It's funny. I actually, when I got the ice beam, I went there right away. It was just, I took a turn because the way you get there is through, after you get the ice beam, you get into this room. Well, very soon after anyway, you get into this room where you need to use your, your rolling dash and there's a bunch of those toads. 
on the high platforms that will catch you and oh, then yeah. you have to blow them up. Um, and there's a save room in there and there's a hole in the wall that you can use your, your you know, you can roll up into and that'll take you back up to the main hub area, but on the side where the crash frigate is, but on, you know, on the other side of it, because you've been in that room before probably, yeah. but you couldn't get across because you didn't have grapple the, beam. the grapple beam. So I went and did that. It's like, okay, this must be where I have to go next, even though the game wasn't telling me to do that. Um, so I went in and I did as much as I could in there, but I couldn't get any further. It was in it. And then it was a point where the game was like, yeah, you need an upgrade before you can go any further here. It, it kind of like I did the same thing. I went and I went in the ship. I, I started doing the ship and then I was looking at a guy and said, OK, you need to go get the gravity suit first before you go here. You can't do everything. And I tried to get out of the ship, couldn't get out of the ship. And I just reloaded my last save and then just didn't oh. go back in the ship until afterwards. Getting out of the ship was rough because you can't swim. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and it's like, I mean, you can do it. I did it. But you're man, that main chamber. Mm-hmm. That is a long climb. Yeah, that's what underwater. That's what broke me was I was in that room and I was trying to find one of the scans. I couldn't find it. And I'm just like, you know what? When the guy said, come back with the suit, I'm like, screw this. And I just yeah. didn't. Yeah. The suit is actually hidden in a body of water in the Fender Drifts. Oh, really? And not even a boss, but it's just in the, it's in the water. You have to jump on something and you find it. Huh. It's yeah, a- see, this is the thing. Now, I have a bit of a conundrum because I don't really have a lot of time to go back and keep playing this. But now that I've played as far as I have, it's like, well, I kind of want to keep going. I would recommend a guide. I tried to play this game without a guide, but I mean, I didn't go word for word, but I was like, okay, where area do I need to go and what and what? And then I would kind of and I would, you know, and then the game would tell me what to do. But that's the best way I found to do it. Right. At least then, you know, your or what upgrade you should be going for next, because I, I didn't use a guide like for every missile upgrade. I didn't do any of that. I just would use it like, OK, because at first I tried to play this game, mostly just play it. I didn't want because I some of it was a memory and I just wanted to play it more experience it. But after a while, I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to, I'm getting, I'm getting lost. Like, where do I go? Right. I mean, you're, you're right. It will tell you, but when you, when you don't restart your game and you just play the safe days, it doesn't always tell you where to go. <laughs> yeah. Cause it doesn't have that reload part. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, I never thought about that because you had said earlier that you're using safe mm-hmm. states and it didn't hit me that like, oh, right. So you'd have that total problem of like, okay, well, we already told you where you're supposed to go. So clearly we don't need to tell you again. It won't, it won't, it didn't, it didn't tell me. And I mean, yeah. it's something that wouldn't even tell me like for someone like later on after you get the power bombs and the phase on <laughs> mines and you do it and you get the grapple beam, you do a couple things. The game will tell you where each of the other items that you're missing are like right. the plasma beam, the x-ray visor, but it won't, it won't help you a whole lot. <laughs> right. Because, I mean, again, a lot of those are optional that you get. Like, you each extra, each gun, the plasma cannon, the phase, and the ice beam have a separate, like, weapon that you can add to it that if you use, that uses missiles and does, like, a charge shot. Yeah. Where the, pla- the plasma cannon, you or not the plasma cannon, the phase beam, you think you're a Ghostbuster. God, that's fun. I know. It looks <laughs> so cool. I loved, I, I only used it in the final boss because I didn't need to, and then I, I had to. It was a great <laughs> way to hurt him. But the phase on mines, like they kicked my ass when I was down there the first time. Like I had a hard time. I had a really hard time with the, the Omega Pirate boss, which is a giant pirate that they've been infusing with phase on, and he blocks your energy shots. He'll absorb them unless he's attacking you. So you have Ugh. to shoot him with missiles and hit different parts of his body to break him down. And and during that, and I would not have I had never done that fight before, but I actually tried to use cheat codes. And I'm like, screw this, I got my ass handed to me, and I couldn't get the cheat codes to work, so I had to just I had no choice but to figure it out. <laughs> the game made me, but that's also I found out that's where I, when I was a kid and I played this game the last time, 
and I had gotten to into the phase on mine. I got to a point where you get to a big room and you can't progress. You just you you there's no platforms. You can't go anywhere. I'm like, OK, so I got to go somewhere else. And I found the artifact room and I had thought I had to get all 12 artifacts first to get something to progress. When what I really had to do is go get the X-ray visor, go back to that room with the X-ray visor, and then you can see the hidden platforms. And the game does not tell oh, you that. Oh, I didn't know that. See, I'm and, not really that far, but but I know what you're talking about because yeah, and you, it, you, that's visit where that, I stopped. you visit that artifact room pretty early on. So oh, you can you can get artifacts early, but you you have to get we can talk about I'll talk about it real. You have to get twelve artifacts in this game that are hidden throughout the game. It will give you hints to where they are, but they are not easy to find. And two of them are in the phase on mines and one is deliberately coded in a way that you cannot get even with glitches very well, unless you have the, the phase on suit and beat the boss. Okay. It's set up in a way where it does more damage than what it would normally do. So even if you have all the E tanks, it's still, it, they tried to find a way. I mean, of course, speedrunners have found a way to get around that, but the game does its best to not let you do that. Huh? It's supposed to be the last artifact, but the fact that like, that also broke me when I'm like, I have to go through this entire game and find little artifacts I didn't even know existed. <laughs> and I was just like, screw this game went on the shelf. And that was the end of that. <laughs> I used a guide for all those to figure out what room to go to. But it it's not it didn't bother me much this time. Like I was really worried about it. But it, when you when you're coming back with all your equipment and your phase on suit from beating the beating the elite pirate boss, like your your as long as you especially if you know what to do, it wasn't so bad. It was kind of cool to find them all. And some I would have found some I found on my own just by exploring going because i'm like oh i haven't been here i'll go here now i have this gun but some stuff like one i had to go to a floor and bomb a floor that didn't even that wasn't even like the game didn't tell me it was bombable but it was with a power bomb but i had no I, there's no way i would have known that something there were huh. a couple things like that that mm, would have been an issue now i really want to keep playing it um you should i mean without it definitely to see if just... i can figure all this stuff out <laughs> uh, also i ran into a glitch that might have been because the i think it was because the emulator not the game itself but i almost thought i wasn't going to finish this game so i was in the phase on mines I beat the Omega Pirate boss. I grab the two artifacts and I'm trying to leave. And in this game, sometimes you have doors that don't open right away. They take a little bit because yes. they're loading. Well, I had gotten into a glitch somehow, probably because of save states, and the doors wouldn't open. When I got to the next loading, I could not get out of the area. I'm like, oh shit, is this game done? But luckily, when I re- reset the game and loaded up a save, the doors worked. But I was like, oh no. I want to say, I, I, you know what? I thought I'd hit that problem in the actual game as well. But I, I think I still think it was a glitch, but I think it was a different kind of glitch. Cause there's a, there's a, a room in the drifts where you'll know what room I'm talking about. When you first get in there, you have to raise the water level. <laughs> yes. Right. And then there's three doors at the top and there's one door that you can go through using the regular beam. There's another door that you need the wave beam for, which leads to a save room. And then there's another door and there's nothing that indicates that you can't go through that door. And if you shoot it, because I think it's actually glowing blue, which yeah. is the standard color. And if you shoot it, it stops glowing. At least for me, it would stop glowing, but it would never open. And I think what you actually do have to do is it's one of those doors that you actually have to charge using the, the wave beam. I think it's the first one you come across that you have to do that actually, but I, I could be wrong about that. But like, I didn't know that, and I don't remember the game telling me that, and there was something going on where I would shoot it, and it would, like I say, the, the glow would disappear, so it's like, okay, it's about to open, and it's taking a long time to open, so it must be loading something, but then it just never opened. I realized again later that I needed to do something else to actually activate the door. It didn't have any power, I think was yep, the problem. Yeah, you have to scan it and set the power up. Right, but it just, it it wasn't 
clear. So I thought I'd hit bug and, but it wasn't, it was just like, um, if it was a bug, it was a different bug where it was like, you know, it maybe shouldn't have had that glow that disappeared to, to, to signify that it was, it had no yeah. power. I don't know. Stuff happens. Yeah, I, I didn't even know you could hit that door with a charge shot to open it. Yeah. That's cool. I, did, I always, so I do the power later. thing. Yeah. I mean, it was trying to funnel you towards a boss there. It was the yeah. other, the, the middle door you had to go through. Oh, but, um, and speaking know. of artifacts that are impossible to find, one is in that room, by the way, on that top part. Really? Do you remember that tower you see in the background? Yeah. You have to break that. Oh, no, I've been there. That's a different okay. room, though. No, because you're talking about the top of the control panel with the two, with the area. Maybe, no, it's a different area I'm thinking of. No, never yeah, mind. I, I know exactly what area you're thinking of, because that's yeah, there's one a, of the last things I did before we recorded this. <laughs> there's a tower that I had to look this up, and I had to watch a video. You had to, I had to jump in a room, yeah. break the crates in the room, and then after I broke the crates, I had to look out the window and shoot something that I wouldn't have thought to shoot with a missile that blows up, that makes a tower fall on top, and then I can go into the tower and get an artifact. Maybe we're talking about two different places, but the room that I just did is where I got the the um, the upgrade for the wave beam. But it was you're in the big tower that has four pillars on either side, it's and you have place. to shoot the weak points of those pillars, and then the room will con- will basically collapse yeah. on itself. This is a uh, a thing that doesn't like that. I know what you're talking about with that room. A, this is in um, Fender Drift, the one I'm thinking the oh. one from the artifact. But like it doesn't tell you. There's no cracks. There's nothing. Huh? You just you just see these red barrels. On the outside, you've never seen red barrels before, and you have to shoot them with a missile. And there's another part where the last artifact I got, there's one hidden inside a pillar. You can The pillar does not say it's cracked, does not say anything. Hmm. You have to walk by with x-ray visors inside the Megamore Caverns to find it. Well, now I definitely have to go back and keep playing. <laughs> and that, that I was like, you know what? Younger Mike with a, with a one-year-old would have never figured this out. <laughs> yeah. I was like... I would never have gotten this because I would be like, okay, I got an hour to play tonight after like three days. Like, what do I do? Like, that's why this game got shelved. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, part of it is exciting. Like, if you're into that, it's exciting to find them because if you when you scan the statues where you need the artifacts, they will give you hints of what room they're in, and it'll give you hints. So that I mean, that's what you're supposed to do, and that will help you. I just looked up an internet on the internet, but. So the game does help you when you're trying to get the artifacts at the very end, which I, I do like it after you finish Phase of Mind, you do everything down there. And that when you get all the artifacts and you put them in this one spot, which I've never done before, then you fight Ridley finally. Right. Which is fun, by the way. Yeah, I haven't gotten to that fight yet. I mean, you you, you know, obviously, very early on, you're going to fight Ridley. Oh, yeah, you but... see him, I think, two times in this game. You see him flying around. You see him flying by above. Yeah, you see him in the opening when when the ship is blowing up. Oh, yeah, as well. And then, yes, you see him flying over the drifts at one point and maybe again after that. I, I want to say it again. Maybe I'm just adding things, but it there's also a trick when you fight him that I found out thanks to speedrunners that like he the first form, he flies around and then at one point he'll start to land when he still has his wings. If you boost ball into his feet, you will do tons of damage to him. <laughs> it's a glitch, I think, because he's supposed to be up uh, in the air. So you can't hit him with boost ball, but he will land or almost land. So as soon as he did, I went to I went into ball and just boosted at him and it took his health down from like 75% to 25% in one second. It was great. People who figure this stuff out are insane. I'm, I'm I so know. Impressed. I mean, I would have never done it. No, no. Same here. I would have never thought to do it. I would have been like, well, I would have just kept hitting him with missiles and things. And right. He, he's a fun fight though. Like, I mean, I boost ball and, and it took out almost all his health. So it's great, but it was still fun. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a bad fight. I fought Ridley a few times. Now this was a better Ridley fight. 
So I got us, and also like when you talk about with the ghost to get some of the as you when you're looking for the artifacts at the end of the game, the game now replaced a lot of the pirates and enemies with ghosts everywhere. Yeah, I've started to see that happening, in, in, yeah. as far as I am now, where it's like, oh, there's more of those ghosts. Which I don't have the the X-ray visor yet, so fighting okay. them is still it's not frustrating, but it's you know not if a- you have more than two of them running around, it can get a little overwhelming at times. Although what I do like is that when they're disappearing, they're not really disappearing. Like they still end up where you kind of expect them to based on the direction they were going when they faded from view, which is nice. Like they could have easily they could have easily uh, cheated that and made things a lot worse. Yeah. And you have to fight the ghost for a few of the artifacts, too. Like there's certain rooms where you'll have to fight them to make it small. And one is in the x-ray room. Uh, okay, But, you know, the ghosts are annoying. <laughs> I mean, I didn't mind them too much, but there were times when they bugged me. There were so many of them. They've got, pre- yeah, like I said, it can be overwhelming mostly because you don't know where they're going to appear every time. But I find when they are actually visible, they're not bad. You just have to be really patient with them because they yeah. charge up a shot. And that shot is pretty, they telegraph when they're going to shoot you. Oh, and yeah. You've got a lot of time to get out of the way. And they're as invulnerable sometimes. Panicking, right? Hmm? As long as you're not panicking. Yeah, it's not terrible. I mean, like you said, they really, I mean, they do a whole like Goku from DBZ where they charge it and stuff before they throw it at you. Right. Yeah, so exactly. You get hit by it. You kind of deserved it if you're not paying attention, especially when you're fighting one of them. Yeah, basically. Because this, this game with the lock on is also really good about letting you dash to the side and things. Like it has a very good mm. mechanic with that to let you get out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I really enjoy it. And then when after the Ridley fight is fun. So I am not a fan that when you finally go. So after you beat Ridley, you go into the crater and I'm like, so I went and saved because, because I wanted to refill all my missiles. But when you go into the crater, you fight Metroids that are immune to the ice beam <laughs> and they don't stop spawning. Oh, really? Yes. There's no yeah. end to the spawning to them. I, so I went there and I killed a few. I'm like, okay. And I'm, I'm exploring. I'm like, wait, why do they keep coming back? And I realized they don't stop. You're not supposed to fight them. You're supposed to just run through the room, jump on these platforms, get, you don't have, I didn't, when I did it the final time, when I actually beat him, I didn't actually, I didn't have to, like, I, I didn't even fight him. I did, I just ran for my life and that, and it worked. Like, there's a, there's not even a save point down. There's only a room for you to refill your missiles and that's it. So if you were a dumbass that didn't save after Ridley, there's a good chance that your ass got <laughs> killed by Metroid Prime. Then you had to start do the Ridley fight over again. Because you would think there'd be a save point. You go to a new area, but there's no save point. You have to go back to your ship. Hmm. Oh, and it, it was, I mean, cause you, so you run past these Metroids, you go into a few rooms, and then you get to the final boss, the first form of the final boss fight, because this is 2002, so you got to have multiple forms, and you got to ship it as hell, like you, like you have a chisel. Oh, it's, it's bad. So you see, he doesn't even look like a Metroid. He looks like a giant spider-like monster. And the first time you see him, he runs away down a hole. So you go down the hole after him. And what he does, he changes colors, so you have to use a different element weapon, and he keeps shooting, like, he'll shoot beams at you. A lot of times my shots would just bounce off because he would move, and they would just bounce, or he would be doing attack, so that was more important, so he'd be invulnerable. And everything you do, just just little damage here and there. (laughs) It was not a fun fight, and it took me... The first time I did it, even with safe states, I got got massacred, because I was learning he shoots missiles at you, you used to bounce from side to side. He runs at you after, I mean, he'll telegraph, but he'll run at you where you have to go into a ball and go in these little ruts in the room and then go up the other side to get away from him. He'll shoot little energy balls or like bombs that do a huge amount of damage, but they also give you health and missiles, I found out. So that's a way to kind of heal during the fight. Okay. The game doesn't tell you that, but I figured it out when I blew one up because <laughs> I, if you don't blow them up, they can take out, they took out even with the face on two, like half a health bar, half an energy bar or so. 
Oh my god. Nothing else does. Everything else is more like normal. But if you get hit by those bombs, which you there, I mean, you'll see them coming at you for a good 10, 15 seconds. So if you so the game comes like, well, you deserve this. That reminds me of the the golem fight. It's kind of the same thing. Like I didn't oh, even yeah. realize at first because the things that when when that thing st- when it stops rolling around and it stands up and it pulls something up out of the ground and it's kind of the same thing. I was just trying to avoid them, but you can actually shoot them. Yeah, I did by accident. Yeah, and you actually usually we get energy or missiles from them too. Like obviously that's what you were supposed to do, but it absolutely wasn't clear to me uh, the first time I got there that that's what I was supposed to be doing. I didn't even, I don't think, I remember I was in uh, infrared modes. I didn't even really realize that when I was playing the, when I fought the golem, but I was yeah. vaguely seeing it. Yeah. It's cool that it's, I like when bosses give you stuff in a fight, especially like you needed it in this fight. Cause you, I fought him. I know in the video I watched, it's a good 15 minute fight and that's too long for a boss fight. I mean, I only had 105 missiles and I used them all in like special attacks and I would get some more missiles, but it still, it took freaking forever. Mm-hmm. It, it was way too long for a boss way to me just doing the same pattern. And each time you get, you hurt a, a, like a quarter of his health, he'll go down another hole and you go after him. So there'll be a slight pause where you just, you see a cutscene, and then he changes up his format and adds new weapons to his, to his arsenal. Just what you wanted. <laughs> where in the last form, he changes colors very quickly. Good times. Yeah. And I'm like, 2002, you strike again. You took this brilliant game and you just you had to throw in stuff from that era we're like you know what you know what we need we need a really long boss fight where you just chip away at his health yeah we haven't we haven't broken you quite yet <laughs> I, mean, it was, I was annoyed i was so getting irritated and then i beat him and i knew because a guy but like you beat him you see him die i'm like yes and then, he has, no. and then he, you go into another room he has a whole other health bar oh god where when you first start fighting him he's now a phase on Metroid, but he doesn't really look like a Metroid. He looks like a face with a bunch of tentacles coming out from him. He's invulnerable to every shot you have. You will start hitting him and nothing hurts him. Like he'll glow red, but his health bar doesn't move. And throughout the fight, early on in the fight, he'll do something where he'll spit like phase, a phase on circle. And when you step in the circle, it'll say hyper mode activated and okay. kind of like Super Metroid, but you have to stand in the, in the hyper mode switch or whatever. And he also, you have to switch your visors because he will change how you can see him. Sometimes you can only see him with certain visors. You have to change the right visor and you have to hold down the A button. The game didn't tell me. I was always tapping. You have to hold it down and then you hit him with a continuous beam of fire. And that will then hurt him. You have to do it about four or five times. Okay. And throughout the fight, you have to keep dodging whenever there is no pool. You have to dodge. You have to dodge his, his attacks and he will spawn Metroid that you have to then kill while you're trying to get him in the small part that he's uh, he's vulnerable. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, I don't like this. I mean, I did it okay without really having to cheat in the second part. I, I was able to get through the first part with enough health and it was kind of cool. But I was just like, I just did a terrible, hard boss fight. Now I got to do this too. But Toughens you up. Too. Makes you a man. <laughs> oh, and I forgot to mention this, but the Omega Pirate fight. Also, he heals himself throughout that fight. Like after you blow up his, his the things on his body, then you have to then switch the x-ray visor, find him after he spawned little pirates and shoot him with super missiles to hurt him while he's in, while he's vulnerable before he heals himself. Kind of that was not funny. This game does a very good job of, of not making it too hard, but and, until the end, the last couple of things are annoying phase on <laughs> minds. And then the final stuff, it's just a little extra challenging. I did not like, and this game has three endings too. Yeah. So this part you mentioned and you, you had shown that in the, uh, the outline and I really don't remember any of them. <laughs> I have Oh, I have no idea what they are. I just know that one's for 100%, one's for whatever the hell I got, and I'm not sure what the other one is. 
my ending was just the the planet blows up like a normal Metroid game, but there were no like there. I mean, you see a cutscene of her leaving. There was no actual like I didn't have to run away. And then she just on her ship and the planet's blowing up. That was my end. Okay. Mine was not 100%. <laughs> I had all the upgrade items. I didn't have all the missile energy tanks. I didn't, and I didn't scan everything, which is also part of your percentage. Oh, see, I don't think that I would ever get that because I I was, I've been pretty good about scanning everything I can find, but I'm sure I've missed things. Mm-hmm. And there's also things that you can only scan at a certain point. There's a boss that you can only scan once because you only fight him once and you have to do a power bomb at his feet to get him to come out of his cage, which is how you get one of the artifacts. But he uh, looks like the other pirates, but he's a little bit different. So I wouldn't even have thought to scan him if the game, if I was going, if, if a guy wouldn't have told me that. Huh. Interesting. Little things like that <laughs> that you have to do to get 100%. And I guess I actually didn't look up the videos of see what the different endings are. I just know there are endings. Yeah. That's all I, I know. I guess one Metroid Prime tries to kill you with the, with the beam or something. Maybe that was the ending I saw. I can't even remember the, I mean, I didn't even pay attention. I was like, oh, I beat the game. Okay, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> just so happy to be done. Oh my! Oh, and you lose your phase on suit. The Metroid thing takes your phase on suit away. I think that I believe. Yeah, it's because this also ties in directly to Metroid Fusion, right? Uh, no, Fusion is way later in the timeline. Oh, okay. No, it just has a. Sorry, you get you get updates based on Fusion, right? Because you can link Fusion to this. This is one of the first games where you you could link your Game Boy Advance to you the get- GameCube. You get a, you get a the fusion, fusion suit. suit if yeah, you yeah, yeah that's it. Game Boy Advance. Yeah. Which I never knew about until yesterday when I looked at video. <laughs> right. I don't think I've ever seen it. I, I know. I mean, I have both games and I, I, I feel like I should have, but I have no memory of it. <laughs> oh, and the very last scene you see is she finally takes off her helmet and she's standing on her ship. Yeah. Which is also very Metroid. Mm-hmm. That was, that was the good ending with, well, that was the middle ending in the original Metroid. There were three endings on that one, too. Okay, maybe the planet doesn't blow up. I guess just the crater you're on blows up, but the planet doesn't. Never mind. So the planet doesn't blow up. Uh, I, I was just so happy. Like, there is not a lot of time when I finish a game and I'm just like, yes! And that, this is one of them where I just felt so, so proud of myself. And I was thinking, you know what? 14-year-old Mike is proud of 33-year-old Mike. <laughs> <laughs> We're finally beating this damn game. I'm going to have to go back and finish it now. You You should. It's... Just it's one of those games that you can't put if you put it down for a month, don't even bother trying to start. You have to right. start over. Yeah, exactly. It's just that kind of game because there's so many little things that you just you won't remember that this game may, you have to know or just you won't catch on to things. You won't catch the little hints the game gives you. Like, oh, hey, remember this thing you scanned a long time ago? Well, now you have the power bomb to blow it up. Like you just won't even think of that. Yeah, I find it hard enough now to keep keep track of that. But I mean, that's you know, it's a good. I, I I think in general that still strikes a good balance because it's it's always shepherding you towards where you need to be to mainline. But it's like you know, if you're paying attention, there's a lot of stuff you can go back and do that we're not going to tell you about, but it's there. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. It, it's very much like that. I mean, I was I, I do want to play Metroid Prime Two Echoes now. I don't know if I will anytime soon, but I want to. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, I was, th- I was feeling the same way. It's like, you know, I'm really enjoying this and maybe, maybe I just didn't give Echoes a chance, but I, I, I don't know. I, I might go back and mess around with it, but I, I don't, I don't ever see. Yeah, I don't know. I probably, if the, if the trilogy comes out on Switch, I might give it a shot. God, I hope they release it. What's I really that? hope they do that on Switch because yeah, this game is only on GameCube or Wii is the only way to play this currently legally. 
that is not enough. Like this game is something that Nintendo is. I mean, I play a lot of games from you know old games, and this one still holds up amazingly. Well, I and I think it makes sense because they're still talking about doing Metroid Prime Four for the Switch, although they haven't said you know when that's coming out. But when you think about it, I mean, assuming we know it won't come out this year unless they really surprise everybody, which Nintendo's done before, you know. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I really think that it makes sense for them to release. Uh, the trilogy on the Switch in preparation for Prime 4. Like, if if they announced that Prime 4 is coming out in, say, November next year, which Nintendo would never announce that this early, obviously. But let's let's just say, for sake of argument, November 2022, Metroid Prime 4, then I think it would make perfect sense for them to release Prime Trilogy on the Switch in the spring of 2022 to to get everybody up to speed. Because I'm just looking it up. I mean, Prime 3 came out 14 years ago you know i mean (laughs) it's it's an old game at this point right it's two generations old now and i don't know this for sure i'd probably go look it up i feel like it wasn't as well received as these games now the wii was a super popular console but i'm curious if it if as many people played this as the first prime you know what i mean yeah i I feel like I vaguely remember three not being as well received either, but it's been so long. Yeah. And I know me from a personal standpoint, I did not play it because I I hated the motion controls and the pointing at the screen. It just didn't do anything for me. So, but I mean, yeah, you know, if you're going to release a sequel to something that's 14 years old, it makes sense for you to release that again so that people can sort of get up to speed on it. That, that That's my opinion anyway. You know, there, there was other, our other M which was terrible. <laughs> so, you know. You don't need to re-release that. No. You want to just forget that one. I really want to play it now. Someday I played it once and I, I stopped, but I, some, I'm going to make myself play it one day for the show. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, I, I, I feel like the only way I'll ever play Corruption, which is Prime 3, is if it comes out with non-motion controls. Wait, which they, I mean, they prove they can do it. Yeah, absolutely. Skyward Sword. Yeah. I know your co-host bought for $60. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I would like to play that again too. And I actually, as much as I hate motion controls, I actually really enjoyed Skyward Sword when I played it with motion controls, but that was the exception to the rule for sure. I've never played it. It's the one Zelda game and I love Zelda. I have a freaking my wedding band has a Triforce on it. <laughs> I have never played Skyward Sword. It's a very Sword. underrated, very underrated Zelda game. <laughs> I want, I, in my I, opinion. I, I really want to buy the HD, the, the new one for Switch, but I just, I don't like paying full price for a game. Yeah. I think Nintendo's going to not give me a choice, but because <laughs> Nintendo, but oh yeah, I someday I need to play that. Yeah. It's, I, I think it's underrated. I'm, and I keep telling myself that that that's also the reason why I've never really played twilight princess, but I have the, I actually have the GameCube version of that. Now I should try that too. I've got it all hooked up. I should try it now. Well, the GameCube is such a good little system though. It really is. Yeah. I mean, there's some great games on there, and there are yeah. some games I really, I run up. I, someday I keep telling myself I'm going to play Billy Hatcher one day. Yeah, I don't know that's why. one I don't have a lot of experience with. But I want to play Billy Hatcher for some reason. All right, any last things that we should say about Metroid Prime before we go on to questions, comments, or memories? I I think honestly, I've pretty much anything I wanted to say about it. I've said I really <laughs> yeah. enjoy coming back and playing this again. Oh, the music! We haven't touched on the music at all. Oh, you know what? Actually, I do have opinions on the music. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. 
I so as I've said on the show hundreds of times at this point, I'm not a big music guy, but this is a game that comes from an era where I played. I like the music. I think the music is very haunting and it fits well for the atmosphere. I actually played this game mostly with a podcast on like player one. So oh, really? I, yeah, I just I, I that's how I play games. But the music is so good, though. It does really put you in the mo- mood. It's just when I'm when I'm do, like, when I'm doing things like when I was looking for the artifacts, I'm like, I just need something to help me get through. So I don't so I force myself to do it. Huh? Yeah, I, I think that I, I kind of have mixed feelings about the music in this game. I am. And again, I think it has more to do with being a Metroid fan from like the late 80s. But there are some elements, there's some compositions in here that I absolutely love. And a lot of them are the ones that are sort of remixes or have sort of phantoms of, you know, old Metroid compositions in them. But then every now and then you get to a section. And I want to say the Chozo Ruins was the first one that I really noticed this in where it felt like the music didn't fit with what I'd heard previously, like, you know, the opening stage and this, uh, the, the music that's there is great. The, um, the hub world on the planet is great. And then you get into the Chozo ruins and it felt like it was much more like percussion heavy. And it felt very well, for lack of a better term, it felt very 2002 video game. And I didn't hate it, but it felt like it didn't fit. And then I got into like the, the fire caverns and it's like, okay, now this feels, this sounds like Metroid again. So it's, it's a small complaint. I, I don't dislike any of the soundtrack. I think the soundtrack in this game is generally quite good, but every now and then it felt like you just hit a composition that didn't fit with the soundscape of the game. Otherwise. Okay. I can, I can see that. I'm I'm not good with music. Um, it's gotta be very specific games for me to really be in love with the music. Right. Cause I'm weird. Like, (laughs) And I got so I'll go bring us on to questions, memories, and comments. I got a, a few. I'll read. I'll read a few. Uh, firstly, I watched the entire Overlord replay group from Kenny Stoll. Favorite game of all time can get a hundred percent pickup by memory. Played it many times on GameCube and Wii. Probably the game that pushed me past typical kids who play some games. So this is a lifelong hobby. Okay. Nice. Uh, hey, I, I can. Totally I mean, this that. game didn't do it for me because I kept stopping. But <laughs> Metroid was never my thing until more recently. Uh, from Rand- Here's a good one from Randolph Sparks. Why does Nintendo insist on making it so difficult to experience a series on complementary hardware? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it, it's weird. I don't know. I mean, Metroid feels like one of those franchises for them where, yeah, I don't understand don't, it either. Like, we're getting Metroid Dread next month. Yeah, but it's it's been such a dormant... I, I don't know. Not it's much been very it. dormant for a long time. Uh, when th- the last Metroid game was Metroid 2 Return to Simons for 3DS, which is a, at least a few years old at this point. Right. And that was, was just a remake. And that was just a remake. That's the other <laughs> thing, right? So Samus Returns was 2017. So that's almost five years old. They do not They do not do enough with the series. No, they really don't. And that's what I mean. I wonder, I don't know if it's because maybe it's only, and I, I don't have any frame of reference for this. So if I'm <laughs> wrong, you know, please. But I don't know if it's because maybe it's only really popular in one region or something. I don't know if that's true, you know, so maybe that's why it's, it's not high up on the, because you look at something like, I feel like with Zelda and with Mario, we've been spoiled. Like, you know, there was a time when you went, you know, like six to 10 years between Zelda games or six to 10 years between Mario games. Yeah. 
And it's like now it feels like we see new installments in those series like every other year. And it feels like Metroid's not there. Maybe I'm wrong, but, you know. No, and I mean, you're not. You also have to consider like things like Prime Hunters and stuff is also part of this. But I never, yeah, but I don't really Prime consider them part of it. That was DS. And that was a long time ago, too. And then yeah. Federation Force was 3DS, but that was yeah. not well received. Yeah. But even then, like, there was nothing... Well, the Wii, the Wii U had, yeah, the Wii U didn't have anything for Metroid either. Wii U was just a failed console, but yeah. <laughs> hey, it had a Star Fox game, but it's terrible because <sighs> they made shitty controls. I played that game. I really, really wanted to like it, but I couldn't. Uh, the controls. Uh, Actually, uh, Star Fox is another really good example, right? You don't see a lot of Star Fox games. No, not really. They, that's another franchise they kind of just are leaving alone right now. Yeah. They need to change that. They need to re-release Star Fox Zero for the Switch. With not shitty controls, and that game would be great. <laughs> it's, it's not a bad game. I, I really liked it, but the controls are just miserable. And uh, from Danny Palacio, amazing game, hella hard at the final boss. Yeah, I found that out today, <laughs> two hours before this recording. Uh, from Ken Pittman, in connection to above comment, Nintendo and Retro define it as a first-person adventure game. Does it fit that description? I say yes. Yeah, I think so. I think that's a fair way to describe it. And from Daniel Joan, generally people don't classify this game as a first-person shooter, even though it seemingly has all the essential trappings, namely shooting things with guns. So why don't we talk about it in the same light as contemporaries like Half-Life and, Half-Life and Halo? Because it's not like those. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's we've said that, you know, this whole time. Yeah. It's kind of misleading calling it a first-person shooter. Yeah. I mean, I think at the most technical level, I mean, it is. You, It's first-person and you're shooting things, but... You know, it's not it's definitely not what my mind conjures up when I say that when I when I talk about those games. Yeah, because it it doesn't feel like a modern warfare or anything of that nature. It's something so unique to itself. Right. But there's not many of. No. And from Jack Dougherty, this game seemed awesome at the time on revisit. It's okay. Undeniably need to see Metroid gameplay translate to first person. I think controls well, but the game is really too long and there's too much stuff to scan and then read. You're enjoying this game wrong, sir. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that's, you know, that's definitely a legitimate uh, concern, but yeah. you're not forced to do it. So, I mean, I, only certain things. And from friend of the show, Carrie Chandler, I got this game at launch in spite of Metroid now being one of my favorite series. In spite of Super Metroid being my favorite in the series, despite my being 38, Metroid Prime was my first Metroid. And to top it off, I only got maybe six hours in and never beat it until last year when I emulated the Wii version on PC with mouse and keyboard. There you go. <laughs> Which I almost did, and I, I, I think in the future I'm going to go back and play it that way so I can get the other experience, but I felt that it would ruin this experience too much to talk about it for GameCube. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, I'm far be it for me, I hate the idea of, of sort of shaming people for playing a game in a way that makes it work for them, right? I, I, I oh, yeah. don't have very much patience for people who do that. I wasn't shaming. I hope I didn't no, 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 and that. I know okay. you're not saying. Having said all that, I, I do think that especially in the case of something like this, we want to at least try to experience it using the controller the way it was designed, just because it is such a big part of the game. But, you know, other than that, play it however you like. Because I know he played in the Wii version, because he actually was the guy that was going to help me with hack with how he set it up, and I was trying to mess with the settings, and I just didn't, I, was, I wasn't, it wasn't clicking in my brain, so then I just went away from it. Right. But the fact that that's how you can play it now, I am going to 100% do that in the future. Next time I go through this game someday. <laughs> Whatever the hell that is. And another, from another 15, David Hine. Yeah, probably, uh, maybe six. It'll be a while. I mean, there is someone in common is like, oh, I play this game every year. And I'm like, how? 
I mean, I, I can play some yeah. games. Every, I play Magic the Gathering Channel every year because I beat it in two days, but I couldn't play this every year. Yeah, I mean, I play through some games every year as well, but yeah, this one, I don't know, this one feels like a bigger a bigger commitment, time commitment than I will make. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like one game I play every couple of years is Chrono Trigger. Every two or three years, I especially if I'm really depressed and my life isn't, I hook up Chrono Trigger, I'm like, okay, we're going through this game again. Yeah, comfort food. God, that game is good. Okay. It's like either that or eat endless cake, right? What are you going to do? <laughs> and it's from Dave Hine, I love this game since the day it released. I still have my original copy, only played through the whole thing once. My favorite part is the second design of the frozen level. The crunch of the snow underfoot helped build so much atmosphere. Great game. I forgot that it does that. Yeah, see, and again, another example of, and actually that was a, that's a way better way to describe it than what I was saying as far as the world feeling alive. I mean, that's, I still stand by that. But yes, this game creates such wonderful atmosphere at every turn. Which is kind of you know, surprising that it still holds up you know, almost mm. 20 years later. Yeah. And from Michael Irving, I never got into the Metroid Prime games, and I feel like I missed out. I borrowed the first Prime from a friend for a school project on video game music and never got a chance to finish or enjoy it. Is it worth picking up? 100%. Absolutely. Because because of the fact that it's so unique and so different, it's aged really well. Yeah. Right? I mean, Nintendo's it doesn't feel ancient. Nintendo's very good at making things age well. Yeah, absolutely. Like, <clears throat> you know, and, and being someone who plays a lot of retro games, I mean, I've gone back and tried to play some first-person shooters from, like, the Saturn and PlayStation era, <laughs> and, and you're kind of like, you're putting up with it. You know what I mean? But this just, you know, not, it doesn't look modern. But because it's, it's got such a unique, such unique play mechanics, it, it doesn't feel old. It looks a little old, but it doesn't feel old. You can make it, you can make it look nicer with Dolphin Emulator. I've seen people who like True. mess with the settings and made it look like extremely nice hmm. on modern PCs. I mean, I didn't do any of that, but I know the ability is there to do that right. with this game. And from the Giant Bomb Group, I got one comment from Michael Trevino. I regret training my Metroid Prime Trilogy steel case for the Wii. How stupid of me. Playing this on the Wii was the best way, in my opinion. I should have hoarded that thing. <laughs> I have the Wii version actually right next to me on the shelf. <laughs> you know, I'm curious now. I'm going to look up real quick how much that thing goes for on eBay now. Kind of like, that's another issue. I really hope that this does get re-released to Switch, like we were saying. The Metroid Prime Trilogy, uh, $90. That's, that's not... Oh, God, that's not even the game. That's just case with manual. Oh, God. I don't even see a thing for it. Yeah, I don't even see it on eBay right now. So it's probably yeah, it must be expensive. Then. <sighs> that's such a shame. Again, that's what makes me angry with Nintendo. Like sometimes, like I get, like I know important games are not simple. Like I know it's not that. Like oh, you just throw it on there. Like I know it's not that. But yeah, this I feel like would sell well enough to make it well worth it's the time and effort. Like I say, I really do truly believe that <clears throat> they're going to do that, and it's the lead up. And maybe, maybe this new, the, the new game that's coming out, not Samus Returns, Metro Dread. Thank you, Dread. I'm hoping that's sort of the tip of the iceberg. I hope that this is sort of the beginning of building excitement for Prime Four. You know, so this comes out, and then the next big release will be Trilogy, and then the next big release will be Prime Four, something like that. I really feel like that's what's going to happen. That would be great. Like, get it in the mindset and people will buy it. Especially if Metroid Dread sells well. Right. Exactly. I'm, I really hope Metroid Dread is good. I, I'm, uh, I won't buy it. I don't know. But I want it. <laughs> yeah. I don't right. trust. I don't trust uh, uh, Mercury Steam to do a great job. I, I, I don't know why. I just don't. Did you play so, Lords of Shadow 1 and 2? I loved Lords of Shadow. Okay. Me too. The first one was great. Hated the second one. I. 
the reviews are so bad. I never touched it yet. Oh, and the, yeah, like I, I try hard to, anytime I would talk about the second game, I would always point out, I adored Lords of Shadow. So like I went into number two as someone who was rooting for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's Cause like I wasn't of the opinion that Mercury Steam couldn't do a good game because I felt like their, I felt like their first game was fantastic, but the second one was just a mess. And then there was the, was it uh, the 3DS 2D Castlevania that they did? Yeah, they did that Metroid Samus also, Returns. Yeah. Samus Returns, I don't have much memory of, but that 2D Castlevania they did was god awful. So. Yo, you didn't like Mirror Fate? No, I didn't at all. I like Mirror Fate. Yeah. Maybe because I hadn't played a lot of the great Metroidvanias at that time. But yeah, I, see, I remember I liking Mirror it. Fate. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, it's Metroid. I'll still try Dread. It's Metroid. <laughs> I want yeah. a Metroid game. I, I actually don't own a Switch. I, I have a Switch Lite that my wife has, which I can play, but it's not the same for me. I think that's partly why I stay away from Switch games, too. Right. Plus, I just can't bring myself with this show. I, I If I buy it, I won't play it. And I know it, so I just don't buy it. Right. <laughs> for 60 yeah. bucks. That's fair. I'm too busy. All right. And then I got a couple from the Nintendo GameCube Enthusiasts group. Just a few I'm going to read. Uh, from Anthony Draper. I remember the first time playing this and hearing the title music. Mm. from Ray Beans. When I first got the game, I couldn't deal with the anxiety of the opening part with the escapes. I didn't play the game for years until I just dealt with it, and it's one of my favorite games of all time now. You know, that's kind of how I feel. Like, this was a hard... Like, I didn't put this on the show. My my co-host at the time did, Mike. And I had been excited and nervous to play this game all season long with it just sitting there. I'm like, oh, God, I finally got to face this. And I'm so glad I did. I'm so glad I finally (laughs) played this game. You know, I had a moment the other day Actually, it was in the derelict spacecraft because it's mostly underwater. And it really struck me that how claustrophobic this game can feel because because of the visor and because of the fact that it's in a 4-3 aspect ratio if you're playing the old GameCube version, right? And the reason why it didn't really hit me until I hit that is that I had like a near-drowning experience when I was a kid. Oh. And being in the underwater sections looking through that visor on that really narrow screen was actually making me feel really uncomfortable. I, I can get that though. Like, yeah. Just, and you it, know that the game made you feel that way though. Yeah. And I hadn't, I hadn't realized it. I mean, I think I knew that that was the case and I think it actually, that's one of the reasons it works. And, and that, 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 that comment that you just read feels like they were sort of experiencing kind of the same thing. Right. Where it's just like, everything feels really tight and everything's close in especially because on top of the world itself, you've got this visor layered over your view, you know, which I, I think a lot of, a lot of people also deal with too, where if you drive a motorcycle or, or, you know, play a sport or something that requires you to wear a, a full face helmet. I know my dad used to drive race cars. And when he was, when he was driving, this was back in the seventies, it was an open face helmet. And I asked him once why he never, why he never used a closed face. And he was like, it makes me too claustrophobic. I feel huh. too closed in. And it just hit me the other night when I was in the underwater section. It's like, I'm, there's something, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, there's this sort of sense of dread and claustrophobia <laughs> that I don't normally feel. It's like, I yeah. think that's what's going on. So anyway. That's interesting, though. I mean, yeah. that's also kind of pride to this game to be able to still kind of elect those emotions out of somebody, you know, after all these years. Like, the, it's still there, the graphics and everything. Yeah. And I just have a couple more to read. Her last one from this group from Joe J. J. This is probably my favorite game. It's such an experience to play through, even though I've beaten it countless times. And from the last group that I have, the Metroid group, uh, from Ray Q, Q, love it. And I loved the boss fight so much. They were so fun. All right, here's a good one. 
from Tanner Kish. Played it and beat it for the first time early, early this year during quarantine. Absolutely incredible, challenging. Getting over the hump is as satisfying a feeling I've had in gaming as anything else. All okay. true. I mean, it didn't. It didn't. I like I said, I play so many old games, and this game didn't feel as old as many of the other games that I play for the yeah. show. Yeah, oh, exactly. Oh, and that's what makes it. Oh, and as I've been reading stuff online, this game does take place ten years after the first Metroid. Yeah, I just happened to when I was checking uh i think the release of return of or samus returns it, it had the whole chronological <laughs> order of everything and yes this is the second game in the series which is kind of odd too because it goes in the series i know it goes metroid metroid prime prime 2 prime 3 no prime hunters prime 2 prime 3 and then you get into metroid 2 and then super metroid or no yeah then super metroid then other m then fusion and dread. Oh, and we, before we wrap up, we should mention Fusion came out the same day as this game, or at least yes. the same week. <clears throat> this was one of the games that uh, was really pushing that whole Game Boy Advance Link cable as well. Because I know that if you like, like we talked about earlier, if you connected the, if you connected Fusion to this, you unlocked the Fusion suit. Although I think you had to have finished Fusion. I can't remember exactly. I can't remember either. I and then I don't remember if there was anything that went the other way. I don't know either. Yeah, I did not look that up. <laughs> I just I played Fusion before. Fusion's a good game. Yeah, I liked Fusion. I liked uh, Zero Mission a lot more. The remake Zero Mission better. Game. Yeah, Fusion has issues where you take too much damn damage, but yeah, I like the fact that it's there. I think that's cool that they did. I I mean, it wouldn't really affect anything because you would only see it when you're morph ball or cutscenes, but it's cool that it's there. Yeah, as an added bonus. Exactly. And who the but hell? I mean, it kind of takes you out of it in a way. Yeah, but it looked cool. And to think we got two Metro games on the same day, that probably never will happen again. Right? <laughs> well, I mean, it doesn't make sense to release two games on the same day or the same franchise, but... No. Especially now that, you know, that was when they had two two systems to uh, to support. Yeah. And now they don't anymore, so... No, and they probably won't ever again for a long time. I can't see it happening. Oh, I feel like their hybrid is going to be their thing from now on when we get the next, whatever the next Switch is. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think we should go to Shelf Stacker Box and... I'll go first. Uh, this is definitely going on the shelf. I mean, I I love this game. I've always had such a fondness for this game. And to finally go back to to finally play it this week and beat it and to conquer that demon. that has been you know at me for all these years and the fear of this game. It feels so good. Even when I tried to use cheat code, the games wouldn't let me. The emulator just wouldn't work. And I was I mean, using safe states, but I don't consider safe states really cheating that much. Usually, I mean, they are, but not to me. But I did it. I finally finished this game. And I am so happy that I did it. And I will be recommending this game to everybody still because it it still holds up in 2002. And I really can't believe it. <laughs> so on the shelf. What about you, Greg? Remind me what stack means. Oh, stack is the middle ground where you're not so you're you like it, but not enough that you want to oh, tell yeah, people about it. And I think I've been pretty clear here that this will be shelf for me. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's a I actually recently did a uh, release the top 100 games video on my YouTube channel. And uh, this made the cut. I've always just been a huge fan of it since, again, since having a ton of reluctance to even play it when it was coming out because I couldn't for the life of me figure out who thought making Metroid a first-person shooter was a good idea, but absolutely fell in love with it the minute I turned it on, played through it back then. Haven't picked it up again because, you know, lots of things happen between now and then, but um, have really enjoyed playing it again now and um, so happy to see that it really holds up in in so many ways so uh, yeah definitely on the shelf and probably hopefully we'll keep playing and finishing it again since i'm like halfway through now so (laughs) 
I hope you're able to. I hope you you're able to stick with it because it's it's an experience and it's a good one. I mean, the final boss is not good, but the rest of the game is great. Yeah. And if you like finding out things on your own, getting the rest of those artifacts, I you'll enjoy. Just make sure that when you go to the crater, you scan the statues and get the hint. Because if you're doing it legit, you're gonna want those hints. Oh yeah, no, I've done that. I've done. Okay. That. <laughs> I scanned a couple of them and, I'm, and I just left. And I was wondering why there was like one that was like question one that I thought I had but I didn't have because it was lit up. But it was just because I scanned it and I didn't scan the others. <laughs> And then I do want to announce what we're going to be talking about next week. Also, next week is a, is a brand new season. doesn't affect much for you guys. It just affects things for me and the back end. But we're doing the next. We are on what I call season eight of Kings My Mom Found, even though I'll never probably say it again too often. But we are the next. The first game that we're doing is going to be Bioshock 2 to start off Spooktober. Oh, Not really a, a horror good. game, but yeah, horror enough for me. Have you ever played that one before? No, I actually I played Bioshock 1. And I played Infinite. I skipped two. Did you enjoy Bioshock 1? When I did the episode for the show I, last year, I enjoyed it a lot. When I played it, when I think it was this year when I played it, I loved it. When I played it the first time, I hated it. Interesting. I'll have Which to listen really to that weird. episode because I'm really curious to hear what you think of 2. I'm excited. I know nothing about 2 other than that you're a big daddy. I know very, mm-hmm. very little about it. So I'm going to be coming into this game completely blind, which I'm excited for. Bit of a divisive game in, in that fandom, right? So Yeah, that's what I've heard. So, yeah. I'm also I, I really enjoyed Infinite when I played Infinite last time. It's really? Big. See, because I bounced. I, I mean, I finished it, but I didn't like it that much. I think that's most people. Yeah. <laughs> do not like that game. So I'm excited. That's when I'm excited to finally try Bioshock 2 and see how it goes. So that should be fun. And I do want to say, as I said, top of the show, you you can vote in our Patreon for as little as a dollar. You can go to our Patreon. You'll see a, a link in the show notes and you can choose what horror movie I'm going to have to suffer through. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, The Witch reanimator which is winning or poltergeist so little dollar you'll see our link in our show notes and greg where can people find you at you can find me every week on the player one podcast which is uh, player one podcast.com we'll take you there uh we record that every sunday night which is live on youtube and twitter or twitter yeah twitter facebook twitch all the places on sunday nights or we just release our episodes via your favorite podcast apps on tuesdays we're getting near episode 800 on that so going a while <laughs> and uh, you can catch me streaming mostly retro games on uh, Twitch TV slash Stuart every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday evening starting at 9 p.m. Eastern. I stream for Extra Life uh, in support of the IWK Children's Health Center here in Halifax where I live. I've been doing that for 11 years now, and we're pushing, I think, 80,000 raised total over the last 11 years this oh, year. Really so super excited about that. And uh, you can also check out my YouTube channel, which I believe is just uh, youtube.com slash Greg Seward at this point. But the main thing there is my uh, Generation 16 series, which showcases the history of the uh, the Genesis. I have covered every game in chronological order right up until the very end of 1990. Actually, there's, a, there's an episode coming out this week, which is the final game of 1990. And then I will be entering a new season on that, which will be season three, 1991, as well as I've been covering the um, the games that were released for the laser active mega LD component. So I'm actually working on the third episode in that series right now too. So lots of stuff to find and, and watch and hopefully enjoy. And please, uh, please check it all out. Have you covered now that I'm thinking about it, uh, jungle desert strike ever or any of those games Desert strike, I believe is 1991. Oh, okay. I couldn't remember what year I knew urban strike was later. So, but yeah, no, uh, 1990 was the, the second half of 1990 was actually the, uh, where EA started supporting the genesis although here's a bit of trivia for you 
they, within that six-month window or five-month window, they became the most prolific third-party publisher of Genesis games in the world. So, oh. yeah, because okay. they released seven <laughs> games like that. Back when EA was good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, EA makes some great games, but that yeah. company I don't think is the greatest right now. No. <laughs> and I also want to give a shout-out to the my my friend's podcast, uh, Bill Tucker, who's on the show sometimes for the Marvel stuff. He did has his own podcast, A Gamer Looks at 40, which is a much more edited where he looks at different eras of gaming and kind of talks about his experiences and other people's experiences. So definitely go check that out. You'll see a link in the show notes. And in case you need more Metroid, we have covered Metroid games in the past. We did our first recovered episode we did metroid zero mission metroid fusion episode 103 metroid zero mission episode 43 and super metroid episode one which probably doesn't hold out the best but if you want to hear more metroid definitely go check those out and also want to give a big thank shout out to our awesome intro and outro courtesy of bobby aka mike stoney from zp bite the bullet song of the cool kid squad definitely go check him out you see a link in the show notes and please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube. We're only audio on YouTube, but we're there. Hey, if you'd rather get your podcast on YouTube, you can get them that way. And also, if you're trying to find old episodes and can't find them on your podcast channel, so app, iTunes or Spotify, use Podbean or Podcast Attic or some of the other ones. You will find everything because since it only holds up to 100 and I record a lot. So <laughs> you can find us all there and we will see you guys all next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.